0: Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions Podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. After so many record-breaking weeks, it was a shock to the system to see most teams' scores in three figures, not four. Origin 1's upon us and so too is the uncertainty over players backing up, just to add uh, to the injury and suspension chaos. And speaking of outs, we're missing Bear tonight, so expect lots of Bulldogs talk from me and lots of Broncos talk from my co-host, 2016 champ Wilf. Mate, how long until Kevin gives you a call up in the halves?
1: I love if. If that ever happens, then I, I think let's let's just stop watching the NRL because yeah, it's not going to happen. I was never a half when I played as a you know just casually. I never played for juniors or anything like that. So yeah, maybe maybe you you're a better shot than I am. Well, I did play halves, but I tell you, who hasn't been playing halves is Carmichael Hunt, uh,
0: and he's not even been that impressive in the centres for South Slogan. Uh, in the Reggies, I guess, but um, we'll go through that when teams come. But uh, honestly, since four o'clock this afternoon, I've been shaking my head at uh, the Broncos' team lineup, um, mate. Speaking of shaking your my head, um, how's your ranking going?
1: Well, yeah, the less said about that, the better. No, it's uh, it's just getting worse and worse. I think pretty much like for the last eight weeks, anyone I've traded in has just gone really poorly, or gotten hurt, or suspended, or get dropped for no reason all That type of stuff, so yeah, 680 for me, which is pretty gross considering I was at one stage looking at maybe 15 or 16 players, but ended up with only 12. Uh, classic, but uh, yeah, dropped another 2,000 spots, so I'm now at 18,000. So I'm gonna have to change it up a little bit and push a bit harder, I think, for round 17, which I didn't really want to do, but you know, this is what we got to do to, to try and make something work, yeah,
0: absolutely, man. You're you're, you're around. 1,000 points uh, off the top 1,000, which, again, you know, in previous years it probably would be insurmountable at the halfway point of the season. But when you consider that, um, you know, in many ways, Bear punted this buy round and, and scored 578, uh, dropped him down a few thousand spots to around 5,200th, you know, I scored a bit around 400 points more than him just in one week uh, to catch up and pass him. So my nice, my 961 puts me around 2,200. So it's just that kind of year, mate. Uh, you nail your captain, um, get a couple of other picks right, and, and you're picking up, you know, multiple hundreds uh, on, on the field. It, you know, it will need to turn around for you, mate, because, you, you know, you've, you've been getting some pretty significant red arrows. But, you know, you, you're not out of the keyring range yet, I don't think.
1: No, well, I mean... When you talk about nailing a captain, I did nail my captain this week. I captained the highest scoring player in my team, which happened to be Nico Hines. So that probably exemplifies my week there. But like even in looking at 2019, I came out of the buys about 500, 600 points outside the top 1,000. And that was enough time for me to chase that down. So I still finished within the top 1,000 there. So I reckon with plenty more rounds to go, plus obviously a really fun period to navigate now. I think there's opportunities for sure that I can I can chase down those 1,000 points to get that top 1K finish again. But two, two champs who don't have to worry about that. But Reese, coach of Thrones Legion, currently sitting in six. He had a massive week uh, with, I mean, he, I think he brought in Dufty and vice-captain him, so it was a brilliant move there. And he's gone up to six from 33rd last week. And MJ, coach of 4020s, uh, moved that one spot to 13th, so he's just playing it really solid and uh, just you know closing the gap to first place each week so well done to those both those champs we also want to quickly shout out the champs only league they're sitting at 12th overall and uh, do you want to give us a, a bit of a Turbo's Hammy Cup update there
0: uh, I'm catapulting up the ranks, mate. It feels like about four weeks ago I was, um, you know, dead motherless last, but uh, I'm up to seventh uh, in the podcasters league, doing pretty well, and, and had a handy victory over one of the boys who didn't, um, you know, go too heavy on on the round thirteen by plan. Uh, you're kind of down in the in down in the doldrums in that league, aren't
1: you, mate? I am dead motherless last at the moment. <laughs> I happened to come up against the spy this week who smashed out six with 16 players. Like it was, it was a no contest. I think I lost by three, 400 points. So no fun there, but. <laughs>
0: well, 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 how the
1: turntables. How the turntables for sure.
0: <laughs> well, Wolf, it sounds like your squad needs a bit of a trim. And speaking of trim, mate, tell us about tonight's sponsor.
1: Uh, yes it is that time of the week again Uh, I think it's getting to the point where I've had some listeners say it's actually their favorite part of the podcast I don't know if that's good or bad but look we are here it's manscaped of course look I don't know about you guys but for me sometimes when I'm talking to someone there's nothing more distracting than you just all of a sudden you notice that there's just this long nose hair that's just peeking out or I mean there's one time I was talking to someone and I was at work so this is you know, professional conversation, with business-like and I just saw, they just got this bush coming out of their nose. I just, I saw it and I'm like, I couldn't stop looking at it and I'm here, I'm trying to focus. We're having a serious conversation. I, I just could not stop staring at this mass of nose hair coming out. After I saw that, I was like, I, I got self-conscious. I was like, does that, does my nose look like that? And I went home, looked in the mirror and I realised, look, I can see my nose hair can come out and, you know, I started plucking... A little bit, and long story short, it didn't feel that great. It was painful, but the good thing is, is our partners at Manscaped, they're here. They can, they've got great products. They can not only take care of your manhood, your balls, but also your nose hair with their new performance package. The Manscaped performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, which is waterproof. Uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer. They did send us one. I've given the Weed Whacker a number of goes. It's, it's brilliant. It's safe. I've had no issues at all, and my nose breathes clearly now. 79% of partners polled actually admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. So no, not only is it distracting in work situations, but it's actually turning off the partners. So why not use the best tools of the job here? Not only do you get the Weed Whacker, you also get the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, button, and body. Let's not forget also their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Get the performance package now also to receive two, three gifts, the Manscaped boxes and a shared travel bag. And yeah, you also can receive a replaceable blade every three months to give your weed whacking and lawn mowing time clean and enjoyable. The performance package, this is the best value that Manscaped has to offer. And on top of all of that, you can still get 20% off and free shipping using the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CHAMPIONS. So what are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. Make sure your balls look great during the process. And look, that is enough chat about weed whacking and ball trimming and all of that type of stuff. It's time to discuss injuries. So no NRL physio tonight, but we will get him on later this week. Post Origin, have a, a decent chat to him and you know, obviously talk through the wash up from Origin if there's any injuries, but also chances of backing up. And just getting his opinion on that. So, I'll still do a bit of a recap of the round 13 injuries, but hopefully it won't take too long and we can dive into the rest of the podcast after this. What's the matter? I've sure seen a football injury before, you win? Let's go. So, the, probably the biggest news here is Reed Marney uh, didn't look great at the time. Uh, there were some fears, there was like a pec injury and biceps injury. In the end, it turns out it's a shoulder issue and about, apparently like a shoulder capsule injury. Basically, long story short, three to six weeks return to play. Important to note here for Reed is obviously that it's already been a week so far, and then there's around 14, 15, then there's a two-week gap. So there's a high chance, I think, that he could miss just two games. So, you know, given the difficulty at Hooker, there's a genuine option to kind of just hold him. But it just obviously depends on your other option, who your backup hooker is and things like that. Uh, We also saw Kenny Bromwich, unfortunately, copped a rib injury. He went off to get needled. It didn't respond, basically. pain wasn't getting any better. Couldn't return to the field. Initially, they said he missed two weeks, but he's been named. So we'll have to see what happens there. I would not be shocked if there is a late out, unfortunately. This might be a bit of a reward for those who traded in Tom Eisenhuth like I did. Only for him to get knocked out in round twelve and then miss round thirteen, which was the main reason I got him. But we might see Tom get a, a game this week and it could still be really pretty important. He's in the nineteenth uh man squad at this stage, I believe, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh we saw Moses Mbai and Thomas McKay both have knee issues. Uh we'll have to see how that pulls up. Kobe Hetherington from the Broncos, he looked like he did a pretty bad ankle. Injury there, it looked really gross on film, basically. But it turns out it's not too bad he's been named, so fingers crossed he can play. Ryan Pappenhausen, we were hopeful, didn't show up, and unfortunately not named again this week, but we'll have to see where he's at. The time frame was around fourteen, fifteen. He's training now. He's uh, not getting headaches anymore, which was great, but he's apparently quoted saying he's not quite feeling himself, so fingers crossed the extra week off will help him with that to quickly touch on the origin players, you know, Munster under an injury cloud. Should be playing at this stage given who's dropped out and everything like that, but I wonder if he's going to be 100%. Harry Grant should be good to go and expectations are he's going to play between 40 to 80 minutes depending. Adrian Grimson also been passed fit to play, but he could play hooker, which is kind of insane, but you know, Paul Green's going kind to of Paul Green. Uh Teddy with his hip flexor injury at this stage looks set to play. He from what I understand, he didn't train fully and in fact he wasn't training for a while whether that means he's going to back up or not uh, I don't know so I, I I expected him not to back up given all the concerns but we'll have to wait and see how he goes Payne Haas initially thought was a pretty serious knee issue could have seen him out for a number of weeks but turned out it was either some sort of a light sprain or just bone bruising I'm not sure what the message is there but Long story short, he should be good to play Origin, and barring any other issues, he should be fine. So I think that's pretty much where uh, the injuries were for this round aside from, you know, more concussion and things like that. But uh, otherwise, yeah, let's keep it moving. Steven, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. Except you, you and you.
0: All right. Well, so we we're all familiar at this point. You know, the game uh, after Origin always there's shenanigans with selections in or out, people coming from the clouds uh, to make the side, and and very dependent on, you know, whether Origin players pull up. Saw the the first game of the week, though, lots of players of interest. Obviously, Manly have named uh, the turbos the Cowboys uh, managed to, you know, not have too many representatives in the Origin side, mate. Um, what's really jumping out of you there that um,
1: you need to keep an eye on? Look, I think the key one is obviously Tommy Turbo. Uh, plenty of super coaches hanging on his injury news. I mean, we've spoken about in the past, like it would be shocking to see him back up less than 48 hours later after, you know, playing in Townsville, having to get back to Sydney. It just seems like it's a perfect opportunity to rest him I know every game counts for the Seagulls, but you lose Tommy to a hamstring injury, that's like six to eight weeks recovery. And that's going to be more season killing than losing one. You know, it's still a very winnable game even without Tommy. So I just can't see Dez doing it. Jake is probably more likely to back up in my opinion. I mean, not not that many people have him anyway, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. I would expect DC to back up as well. He's always been pretty good at backing up, but Uh, and, And he's, you know, he's been pretty durable injury wise. So for that purpose, again, I think Seagulls would be decent for that. With Dylan Walker on the bench, I mean, we've seen him play fullback in the past and it's a good chance for him to go back there.
0: Oh, mate, if there's if there's any indication of the shenanigans of, of team this Tuesday, it's look at that manly bench. Dylan Walker, Moses Suli, Ben Trebojevic, who's played as much centre as he has back row and then Sipley's really the only recognised forward on the bench. There's there's no way in the world that that's the, um, that's the interchange, you know, come game day.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I remember we, we were kind of shocked last time when we did see I think he had Tavita Funa and Moses Suli as two of his four bench spots. And I think what happened was Suli went on and Brad Parker moved into the back row. (laughs) So yeah, we could see more of that reshuffling going on, but I wouldn't try to predict too much, but yeah, you look at the bench, uh, the extended bench. I mean, he's got another two outside backs. He's got Cade Cuss there. He's obviously, whether he comes in to play halves, if DC has a rest or whatever, And I don't know much about Kurt Deleuwey. There and Tolotao Kula, I think, is a fullback as well. So it's uh, interesting. We might actually see Moses Sully going in and them doing that little reshuffle again. So fun times. And on the Cowboys side, obviously Val Holmes is a, a big one there too. I wonder, similar situation, you know, that do the Cowboys, they've had a good run lately. They probably don't need the win as much as you would have expected them to. So Val probably has a rest. And yeah, I can't really see much else going on for the Cowboys. Tommy Deaton gets his first start for them and that'll be interesting to see how he and Drinkwater play together.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's it's you know, I I'm a little bit on the fence around Tamalolo. I know he's he's not playing Origin, so he's gonna be fresher through the period and, and does play you know the final buy around but um, I don't know. He just he just seems just a little bit short of the premium gun that he's been for so many years, and whether that's usage or just hasn't quite been as explosive as he has in previous years. It automatically or usually he'd be the automatic kind of trade in, uh, given this circumstance. But I'm still just a little bit wary of him and, and might want to see a little bit more the uh, the Friday night game, Sharks Panthers. Again, the Panthers, you know, are all over the shop. They've named a, an extra mega extended bench, uh, you know, with a lot of their uh, – well, with all of their origin uh, representatives on it as well. Man, it does free up um, some minutes for, you know, or uh, the likes of Spencer Lenu, hopefully. Um, but from the Panthers' side, which seems to be the more super
1: coach, interesting side, um, is there much jumping out at you? No. I mean, if this is how they run out and, like, not, not expecting many of the origin starts to back up, then I think the Sharks might actually win. They look better than the Tigers did last week in terms of the team list. So, yeah, the Panthers weren't great. Like Matt Burton, Tyron May, that was a shocking combination. Uh, I think May was the primary cause of it, even though Burton tried his best and he was better in the second half, but it just looked, it looked like a shambles. And obviously for us, Charlie Stane's faithful. Uh, we we got with a late upgrade there. <laughs> but
0: Yeah, that was crazy. I, I, I watched that game intently. Um, seeing him tick up by one about every 10 minutes. But, um, yes, yeah, so I'm not sure exactly where the, where the big jump came up in updates, but I was happy to take it.
1: No, it was uh, when Dane Laurie smashed him and knocked him out when he was close to scoring. So he did technically get around uh, the winger. Uh, so he was, you know, if if he had obviously scored, that would have been an easy line break try. But uh, because he made it to the fullback, they gifted him a line break. It was... a it was very touch and go. It was like literally a meter or so in it. So Technically correct is the best kind of correct, Will <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I, love I, that. I have plenty of interest in Jesse Ramian. Uh, I think a lot of super coaches have been keeping an eye on him. His base and base attack numbers are off the charts. And it's only a pretty small sample size in 2021. But he does look like a bit of a different player compared to what, he, what we saw last year. So I'm happy to give him another week because obviously he's off a big score. So he's going to jump up a little bit in price. But I'd be watching to see how he can handle the Panthers. And then to be honest, if people jumped on this week, even against the Panthers, because of the fact that if plenty of them don't back up, I think, yeah, it'll be, it won't be it will be as scary of, his match, of a matchup as it would have been otherwise.
0: Yeah, they definitely weren't as fluid. Uh, Tyrone May leaves a lot to be desired in the halfback position. And and as a Bulldogs fan, a little bit worried with Matt Burton being unable to kind of steer the side around like we'd hope uh, from a big money purchase. But, um, look, plenty more to talk about. Titans, Roosters, uh, yet another origin Question with, you know, Teddy nursing that lingering kind of hip issue, uh, whether he backs up. It is that 72-hour um, window after the game, which is where a lot of the former players tended to say that, you know, the pain really kicked in, you know, the bruises from origin. Um, and you do see a lot of people not back up. But one person I haven't seen in the 17, mate, Joseph Soali, a lot of people would be uh, hoping that he somehow sneaks into the seventeen.
1: Yeah, with this being his third game and with a sizable negative break even, I think super coaches should probably plan for the possibility that he does end up coming in. Uh, For example, if, say, Teddy does get a rest, Joey Manu to fullback and Suali straight into right centre, that's the, the simplest reshuffle there. So I imagine a lot of super coaches will be planning for it. There's a chance that if you don't get in this week and he does play his third game And he scores well like we saw He didn't actually do that much and he still banged out Close to 80 points last time So there's every chance that he can do this against The Titans team that doesn't seem very set on defending At the moment and if that happens he could Jump up quite a lot price tag wise Just in the one week and you know, If, if he does play you're going to Want him from round 17 because I can't see him not playing barring injury With all the outs the Roosters are likely to have So yeah I, I think Plan for having Suwali uh, just in case he does become a late in and plan for a backup if he doesn't. Yeah,
0: and, and another person that I uh, – sorry to cut you off there, mate – that that I think would be a traditional, you know, obvious buy pick in the same way Tamalolo is is Takiaho. But I started with him and, okay, now he's back in the starting side. He's not coming off the bench. But, gee, there was nothing that I've seen in recent weeks that would make him be a particularly attractive buy this week. I, I don't know what you think.
1: Yeah, look, I, same story. I started with him too on the promise of goal kicks and now he's lost those as well, it seems. So, yeah, it's. I feel like he's, he's cheap as chips right now, but I feel like he's quite an uninspiring purchase. So I don't hate it. If you need someone in the front row forward, like you can go Stefano to him for like 50, 60 grand and that's, that's a great outcome, I think. So he's purely be buy coverage and then, you know, hopefully, you know, break glass in case of emergency type play in your front row forward.
0: Yeah, almost as a fourth front row forward for the way home because I'm not even sure I'd risk him as a third front row because if we run out of trades with kind of four weeks to go, which at a minimum I think a lot of us are doing, um, then you know you might have to play him in your 17 right when other people who have dodged the injuries are... Um, are playing their full-strength sides and, and in head-to-head finals. So, yeah, I just have, haven't seen enough from old TKO this year. Sam Walker's back, and I held him. So hopefully he starts to repay their faith and can start building, um, you know, his price back up again. Titans were freaking awful on the weekend, mate, um, you know, against a, a, a Panthers side, I think, that they they had a lot of injuries and and out. Oh, sorry, Melbourne, sorry, that had a lot of injuries and, and obviously uh, origin outs any confidence in some of their players. I know you're a Brian Kelly owner.
1: Yeah, no, I can't wait to sell him. In fact he's he's on the chopping block this week already. So <laughs> yeah, look, he, he's he could have scored so much better, right? I think we've all talked about how he just bombed like at least two try scoring opportunities. So yeah, not great. Uh look, we have gotta talk about Greg, right? Mm-hmm. Greg Mazu formerly Greg, or the Seattle, whatever. Uh, he turned out to be the buy round downgrade enough that we should have gone for, not not Dunstan, not Eremio. Uh, yeah, Greg, we knew he was going to be good for Supercoach and he showed it, like that work rate, the tackle bus, everything. It finally happened. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think it's been three
0: years, hasn't it, that we've all been talking uh, him up as like the the kind of cash cow to get pre-season and, and he's not come about and I just thought given that he, he should have had so many opportunities uh, in years gone by and he never got given them um, that there must be something seriously wrong with his game. But, um, yeah, gee, he looks solid and certainly made for super coach. So if he does manage to hold on to that spot, I'm not sure how long Don's out for. But, um, yeah, he's absolutely super coach gold, isn't he?
1: Yeah, uh, just the tackle bus. Like <laughs> I mean, It was several seasons in a row I felt like he was up the top for tackle bus per game in Reggie's and it just shows. Uh, I think the word is he's always been a bad trainer and, you know, shocking in defense. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of think, like, there's so many teams that could use someone like him and it just seemed like, you know, at least try teach him defense or whatever or try cover for it in other ways. But, yeah, it just seems crazy that he's waited three years in Reggie's to, to finally get a shot. And that's with, you know, the Eels as well as the Titans. So it's not like it's just the one club he's been stuck behind. But, yeah. That, all that aside, I think, you know, AJ Brimson, if he's still under that injury cloud, uh, I can't see him backing up either uh, as much as they probably need him to. And I mean, Jaden Campbell, you know, I thought he had a very solid debut last week. So just chuck him in the one again. That. Seems sensible to me.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if you heard about it, but he's actually Preston Campbell's son. I'm not sure if that's been mentioned uh, in recent days. So, um, yeah, not too bad. But, um, you know, the expectations for the poor kid, um, you know, coming on and, and Preston, probably a bigger name than he was necessarily a player, certainly a handy player. But, you know, very well known for all the fantastic off-field stuff that he's done as well. So, um, you know, he might even be a bit more promising than his dad if he if he kicks on from that debut. So, um, you know, Tino, uh, David Fafida, you know, they're going to play big minutes in Origin. So, um, you know, the Titans obviously do need them, but, you know, they certainly seem to not necessarily kick on uh, with those two in the side in the way that you expect.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one because... You know, like a month ago, Dev Fafita was just – everything he touched just turned to gold. And I think he got suspended for two weeks, came back, and he scored great for Supercoach, but he had a bad game on the field.
0: Cl- Classic so, injury uh, Fafita Supercoach score, right?
1: Like, you know, just
0: crabbing sideways, stick an arm out, that counts as a tackle bust um, when the defence is happy to sit back and just let you run sideways, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's – I mean, it's hard to say, honestly <laughs> – whether it's I mean, I, I said earlier in the season I thought a lot of his stats were kind of friendlier, I guess you could say, than plenty of other players. You know, they did other players might do something similar and they wouldn't get credited with the tackle buses so easily, if I could put it that way. But uh yeah, it's still the super scoring, but you no, know, I held him, so I'm glad to see him back up hopefully. Uh whether it's reduced minutes or not or not, we'll have to see. I think the other issue here, it's just I just can't see them beating the Roosters. I think it's going to be another flogging. Uh, Angus Crichton obviously named up to start as usual. So his two-game suspension did include Origin 1, which Mm -hmm. is obviously those of us who held. Uh, And just to finish up with this game, maybe... I want to mention Tupanua. So we obviously kind of stayed off him a little bit because we were hearing that Floyd Cordner was going to be back this this round. But obviously that's not happened. And the latest report is maybe round 16 or round 17. So he, it does seem like Tupanua becomes much more viable as an option because even if Cordner is back round 17, Angus Crichton surely is going to be an origin. So Tupenua should have an 80-minute role there. And if you stuck with him, you stuck with him like for the rest of the season. I just think... He's not a bad buy, and even if the Roosters do have a tough couple of weeks, I, I think he's still going to score well because he just seems to have a knack of scoring tries all all season.
0: Yeah, he does, and and with a break even of one four ninety k, you'll you'll certainly be paying uh, over five hundred k for him if you wait a week and he does well. So. Look, it's not the worst option, um, and you know he's, he is a bit of a magnet for those attacking stats, like you said. Hopefully, Sam Walker, uh, you know, can feed him a little more than he has been uh, now that he's over that shoulder injury. So the Rabbitohs Knights, um, I don't know how you feel, mate, but if there's a petition going around to uh, to sack the Knights coach, I will sign it because it's just a crime against Super Coach what he's doing with Barnett and Watson and and the rest of the crew there.
1: 100% I'm right I'll be right there right behind you signing that petition as well it's, it's a joke and I mean it's interesting that really Calen Pong it seems like he is not healthy so whether he's had a setback uh I don't know what's going on because he went from being you know out for another two weeks or something and that was like five weeks ago hmm. to and missing origin one and yeah like it's just insane
0: you have to think with the groin injury, they're generally fairly predictable—the um, severity and and the recovery time. So yeah, um, there was some whispers that you know he shouldn't ever have even gone up to uh, to Origin camp, and, and he may have aggravated it um, a little there. So yeah, it's the absolute last thing the Knights need because Tex Hoy, in addition to probably the other sixteen, or well, frankly, aren't getting the job done. Yeah, it's
1: it's so hard to tell. They started off quite well and then it's just gotten worse and worse each week. But, I mean, how many Rabbitohs can you buy? <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that's true. And, and just a special shout-out to Bradman Best who wins the uh, the Honorary Tino for Suamala Awi Award for massive unit who doesn't seem to be able to bust a tackle. Um, you know, the bloke's, the bloke's base is okay and, and he's running at smaller guys every single time but never seems to get a tackle bust, which as an owner... Uh, since before he got injured earlier in the year, um, and I've held him, it's been immensely frustrating. So, yeah, you need to load up on your rabbit whether or not Luttrell uh, backs up. Um I tend to think most people um, don't consider him an option at fullback with gutho doing so well and and obviously the other blokes as well. Um, gag eyes, you know getting a rest as his arrow, but there's still plenty of firepower in that um, in that back line headed up by Cody, who's pretty much got to be one of the buys of the week you think?
1: Yeah, I definitely think he's going to be one of the primary targets for round 17. So this week is as good as any to get him. But, I mean, we've spoken about in the past, like the easy draw, the hard draw, it's just so unpredictable. Like he's had plenty of times where he'll have the easy game and just come out and do nothing. And then, like, like we pointed out previously, the, the harder games is when he's actually turned up uh, starting from last year. So I just think Cody... Like you want him because he's got that crazy ceiling and if he plays round 17 you don't have him it'll be scary basically uh but yeah and then the price tag he's a he's a great buy this week honestly i don't think i'll be getting him myself but that's certainly because with all the various other ins and outs uh i i need to address other areas basically but yeah i certainly couldn't fault anyone for getting him this week and he'll definitely be on the radar for me if not next week then definitely the week after
0: yeah, I've got so much um, bye week trash in my team. Um, and unfortunately, it's a lot of people that I really had held in the hope that they played the bye round, like Fergo, like Simpkin, like Tezzy New, and all those guys that didn't even uh, get onto the park. So um, if I can move any one of them on, um, I'll do that this week or both of them. And if that happens to be at the 5 position, then Cody's going be, gonna to be a target for me for
1: sure. Raiders Broncos, mate. Um, uh, before we go on, I just wanted to so one one player I really wanted to discuss there was also Tane Milne. So you remember what I said before about Joseph Sawali? If he does come into the seventeen, uh, I think you want to get him this week. I think uh, if you plan your trades out and you expect to have Sawali as a downgrade option as a bottom dollar rookie, mm-hmm. so that base price rookie to be able to make your trades, I think if Sawali doesn't show up on you know in the final team list, he's eighteenth man or whatever, I think. Uh, it's a viable option to pivot to a Tane Milne. He's obviously named here on the right wing for the Rabidos. He's not quite base price. I think he's about 186000 but uh, he's got that center wing dual position with uh, the back row. And it seems like he's holding out Josh Mansour on merit at the moment with Mansour playing Reggie's last week. And also I think he's named to play Reggie's again this week. So uh, if Tane Milne is there and with if this run is as easy as it seems for the Rabidos, then... I definitely think he could be a viable option. And I obviously know a lot of people interested in Alex Johnston and understandably so with that huge score from the last time he ran out. But, I mean, could you see yourself buying Alex Johnston? No, I
0: mean, he, he's he's much in the David Fizzer mould where, you know, the sky's the limit on any given week, but, you know, he can easily turn it around with an 80-minute 11 you know, the week after, time after time, we've seen that where he flatters to deceive. If if you know he almost accidentally has two big games in a row, then inevitably it'll be two bad games after that. So very very hard to trust. And I know he already has burnt owners that, that wanted to share of that left side attack from the Roosters earlier in the year. Um, you know, hopefully they held for the big for his huge game. But um, look, it's going to be difficult. Obviously, Gagai is not playing there this week, which you know takes a little bit of the sting out of the uh, the left side attack but it, look it's south playing newcastle newcastle have been absolutely hemorrhaging points kurt man's going to be defending uh, out in the centers on that side as well and I, and i tend to think he can be exploited as well so look yeah if, if you've got your rabidho's playing uh this week and, and Tane milne if suali doesn't get into the 17 is is a perfect downgrade fodder
1: yeah i do want to point out with alex johnson so i know plenty of people wanted cody walker for that well, what they said was the dream run the dream run for the Rabbitohs, and that was the Bulldogs, Broncos, Tigers, Titans, from rounds four to seven. Uh, Alex Johnston scored 33, 85, 26, 94 for a 59.5 average, which isn't, it isn't bad, but it's pretty much what he's priced at at the moment. So I just think, uh, you know, he followed up with 74, 21, 50, 22, and then there's monster 154 out of nowhere, literally, against the Eels, who... I think, you know, it's safe to say they've been definitely one of the better teams all season. And the Rabbitohs just found a, a hole to exploit down that right edge and they just constantly went left to do it. So if that's the case against the Knights, it could very well be. We just saw Marcus Evo and Gutherson just rip them to shreds down that left side as well. Uh, sorry, down the Knights' right side and the Eels' left side. So I can certainly see the appeal, but I, I just think there's every chance that it doesn't happen for them.
0: Yeah, I just don't see that much difference between Alex Johnson and and, and Charlie Staines, frankly, um, other than – I guess uh, instead of it being Nathan Cleary and Momorowski feeding him, it's uh, it's Cody Walker and Latrell, and and they direct their attack a little bit more down the left than the Raiders do their right. So, um, you know, and Staines is, is certainly someone that people can't wait to trade out um, at first opportunity as well. So, mate, Saturday night, Raiders-Broncos, you know, of, of kind of Pope my fun at Carmichael Hunt and, and Albert Kelly, uh, in the halves already Kelly having not played since 2014 and, and do we actually know what year it was that Hunt left the NRL in
1: 2012 <laughs> wow
0: so a bloke that's playing in the NRL for the first time in seven years and a bloke that's playing in the NRL for the first time in nine years that's the halves combination rightio um let's talk about anything but that mate what's jumping out of you for this matchup
1: well Bailey Simonson finally gets a gut fullback and similar owners who've been holding and holding and holding. and I think they can celebrate. I mean, we've seen how well fullbacks like to go against the Broncos. I don't know if Simmonson's that type of ball-playing fullback. I haven't seen enough to really...
0: A, a good one. You're not sure if he's good.
1: Well, you know, the theory's still out on whether, you know, Matt Dufty is technically good or not, but he's got the ball-playing skills, which I don't know if Simmonson has. So, uh, look, if you've got him, you're playing him because it's the Broncos. But, yeah, I wouldn't be rushing him in into my team if I didn't have him. Uh, you think... Corey Harwinara is probably one of the buys of the week at the moment, just with, I mean, the, a lot of the uncertainty before, like early on when he first started playing was that Hudson Young had been okay and Sticky liked him and wanted to keep him around, but Hudson Young's not in the 17 anymore. So, and I think Corey has been one of the better players the last few weeks as well. So it his job security probably is as good as it's going to get, basically, as a Raiders forward. And I think for that reason, he's one of my top options for this week that I'm probably going to get in myself. So word of warning, uh, given my track record of trades this year,
0: yeah, look, at 464K, you know, most people have missed out on the uh, those initial price rises, but breakeven of 18, as much job security as you can expect in that role, as you said. And and look, the reason why he wasn't in the side earlier in the year wasn't talent-based, it was because, you know, he has a bit of a history of, of playing up in the off-season. He's done that again, and uh, and Ricky Stewart certainly being the, the, the kind of Disciplinarian type coach that he is, wanted to make an example of him in the early rounds. So, but for six rounds uh, in a row now, he's he's done a pretty good job. So, it's slim Pickens for seventeen, and and given that he's averaging sixty four, he's the perfect guy for your you know your fourth or fifth uh, you know second role for the run home. So yeah, that's probably a, a good option there, Wilf. I would agree. Not a lot else, to be completely honest. I mean, Hodgson's starting again, but uh, I think his days of being a supercoach uh, relevant player are uh, over. Lodge is named uh, to play again, and, and he cracked out a pretty handy by-round score. But you'd expect that not all of, um, you know, oh, well, the Payne
1: Haas may not back up as well. That's a tough one, hey, because he's coming off the bench in origin, so it really comes down to how many minutes he gets. I think Haas will play, given he's not playing that big minutes for Brisbane either so I'm leaning towards him backing up, but we'll have to see. He's still named to start for the Broncos, so I expect him to probably play. If I could just really quickly jump back to the Raiders, I think we probably should mention Jordan Rapina, who, you know, rounds one to nine, he played quite well and averaged 68, and all of a sudden came back into the Roosters after a couple of weeks off and dropped to 23, so I don't want people to kind of forget, like, he's definitely an option for your center wing, and I think He's on the short list for options around 17 as well for me. So just thought I'd put his name back on the radar there.
0: De- definitely definitely a wait and see with a break-even of 117. You, you'd want to get him for a sub-500K um, price tag, I'd imagine, as well.
1: You don't think you can beat that this week up against Selwyn Cobbo? <laughs> Oh
0: look, anything's possible, of course, but you, you know you want to you want to bank the uh, or, or go for the certainty, and and if there are other viable options, I'd much rather trade him in for sixty k less than his current price because I think he's priced it at, at the high end of what you'd expect output wise from Rappinah at five thirty seven k. So yeah, I'd, I'd almost rather take the downgrade to a Tane Milne and bank the cash in a in a good matchup for South as I would pay. You know, 350k more for Rappinor in a similarly good matchup.
1: Absolutely agree there, and I, I did forget maybe Rappinor could be playing right wing because I think last time uh, Valame was playing, he was playing on the left wing, so there could be a bit of swapping around there. Yep. So fair call. I'd rather, I'd much rather Rappinor on the left side, given how much the Raiders prefer that side overall. But on the Broncos, I mean, how many can you get rid of out of your team? I mean, you're probably holding to Vita Pan guy. Payne Haas is as much as he's probably disappointed, I don't think you're going to burn a trade getting him out of your team either. And everyone else, you're probably just waiting for them to max out price-wise and just move on. So
0: Yeah, pretty sure. I, I had a bit of a pod pick in uh, bringing Flegler in a few weeks ago. He's, he's kind of averaged a tick under 50 and gave me 50 for the buy week, which was fine. But I, I brought him in as much because I needed to dump TKO, you know, fairly urgently. But so Flegler's is a guy that, Can just kind of sit there on my bench on non buy weeks until uh, the time's right to move. But as it is, just given with all all these potential outs, I I might actually need to have him in the 17 this week.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, you could go from Flegler to TKO for 40,000. So that's not a bad sideways trade if you've got the spare. Uh, trade and you don't need Flegler in your seventeen, but it sounds like you did this week. <laughs> yeah, very
0: true. Uh, Warriors Storm mate, um, Storm just keep on keeping on. Uh, you know, Jerome Hughes was a good uh, buy round uh, pick there. Nico Hines, you know, it's it's telling that his seventy three was disappointing for a lot of people. He was obviously one of the more popular captaincy choices, but um, lots of uh, lots of relevant players there for the Storm, including George Jennings, who you brought in, didn't you?
1: Yep, another player I've ruined. But no, it was, it was him on Nofo, so I think I won on that trade, actually. True, true. But I think I just expect more tries, more tries for the rest of the year for the Storm, and he seems to have nailed down that right-wing position. And yeah, I'm pretty happy to have him, and he's given me a decent base most weeks. I'm devastated. Rappenhausen still isn't back, and you know, I don't hold against him personally, but it is kind of sad that you know a player that i like so much has kind of actually derailed my my super good season because i've been so hopeful that he's going to be on the park each week but oh uh, well i've i've ridden this out so far it's, it's pretty much my brand to keep holding so
0: <laughs> oh for sure mate i mean the the challenge is um just how far back you're going to be when he gets on, because I know that the second he uh, gets back on the field, I'm certainly going to be doing everything I can to bring him back in. But um, at the moment, Nico Hines doing a very good job as his deputy. Over on the Warriors side, I mean, gee, being someone who's follows Supercoach so intently, you get a pretty good idea. And, you know, most of the time you and I could name, if not every uh, player in the top 30 uh, for every side, uh, pretty close to it, but there's some guys in this warrior side that that I, I don't have no idea who they are. You want to walk us through it and tell me whether they're relevant
1: or not? Obviously, the big news here is that Rhys Walsh has not been dropped and he's not injured. He's just suspended for a week, so i will be back next week. So RTS gets a one-week uh, return to the fullback position. Edward Cossey, I think that's how you pronounce it. I could be wrong, but he's actually played a few games already. I think this is like his fourth or fifth time, wow. but he'll drop out again. Walsh is back. Yeah, I know. He did not much to write home about. I think he's scored a try, but that's about it. So yeah, don't worry. You know not not be, not missing too much there. Rocco Berry's interesting. I think he's actually really quite a good player, really promising. At one stage he was the between him and Hayes Perham, they were the guys slated to replace RTS until the Warriors managed to land Walsh. So uh it seems like Rocco's looked for another spot in the back line and that, that center's position could be his to hang on to if he can. It seems like Ken Marmolo is out of favor. Uh, I don't know what what's happened. There. He's been dropped, but he's on the extended bench. So
0: I'm, I'm assuming both of his feet have dropped off because that's the only reason why Marcello Montoya would be ahead of anyone is that if that someone has stumps for feet. Because I don't I don't, I don't rate Montoya. It was very frustrating as a Bulldogs uh, supporter. So yeah, look, obviously joking about the the feet stuff, but. Yeah, I don't know why Mama was on the nose because Montoya's certainly not there, you know, banging the door down to be selected otherwise.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm assuming it's something off-field related, but I could be wrong. But, yeah, it's obviously you're going to look at some of these players. Uh, I think for those who held the faith of Josh Curran, for now, rewarded with the starting lock position. But, I don't know, it, I kind of thought the whole Tohu Harris being named on the edge and rotating to the middle kind of ended with, with uh, Nathan Brown this year, but it seems like that might be happening again. I don't expect Tohu to stay on the edge, and especially with Murchie on the bench and also Murdoch Masilla. I mean, he's played a mixture of edge and middle this year. I think he's actually been better in the middle. So uh, also we can't forget Fenua Black, named in the 23 jersey on the extended bench, so he can't be too far off, and uh, he's going to be pretty juicy price-wise. So someone else to keep an eye on, If you're not back in on Targa Aho, I think for Noah Blake uh, for round 17 coverage, definitely a name to keep watching there.
0: Yeah, the the super coach infamy that comes with being the Warriors number 13 all the way back to John Pallavi um, might strike people who are looking to actually trade Josh Curran in because there has been a little bit of chat I've seen uh, by people who got rid you know, quite a few weeks ago, seeing him named to start and thinking that that's their that's their kind of golden ticket to him. I, I wouldn't be surprised um, if he's not back to the interchange for this game. Um, that he could be in limited minutes with Tohu playing in the middle, as you said. So, look, lots of permutations uh, to come out of the the team with so far. Eels Tigers, though, mate, looks a little bit more straightforward with the Tigers not really impacted by Origin except for offer of Hengaway, who's been named, and uh, the Eels named Paulo to back up. But otherwise, it, it seems to be a pretty straightforward 1-17. to
1: Yeah, obviously, the loss of Reed Martin is a bit of a kick in the teeth for the Eels. But we'll get to see what Joey Losser can do. And uh, I wonder if Nathaniel Roach might find his way into the 17. He's named in the 21 at the moment. But I don't think Losser can play 80 straight up. And whether they want to have Roach there to back him up, or maybe even Will Smith, Rather than having them, you know, make Nathan Brown go and play hooker, yeah, I kind of think that probably casts a little bit of doubt over that that Ills pack. Obviously, they're they're working really well off Marnie, who's been having you know a great season. I we don't know how good Lussick is as a hooker, but as you know, you can see with say the Roosters, every time they lose one of their preferred choice hookers, they've struggled that pack to get rolling, and uh, it's just been a real battle for them. So I wonder if that hinders the Eels a little bit but you'd still back them against the Tigers who, as much as they've been better, they've still definitely been inconsistent at best.
0: Yeah, definitely. The uh, you know, as you as you say, the roosters have shown just how vital it is to have that crisp service from dummy half. So even just that half beat off, um, as they get used to running off Lussick, you know, could impact um, you know the likes of Campbell Gillard and Paulo, But more importantly, the service that that comes out to the real server coach relevant players in Papali'i and Madison, uh, who seems to have recaptured his form. And in fact, um, if I'm not mistaken, Papali'i and Brown were both subbed off before Madison was and he got a bit of a late rest. So he might actually kind of have recaptured his kind of number one back rower, uh, you know, in the pecking order over Papa Lee as well, which is which is pleasing for us that kind of went through the lean weeks um, as he struggled to score well. Not much else doing there. So Bulldogs-Dragons, mate. Um, I mean, the Bulldogs are a tire fire. Uh, the Dragons obviously did pretty well on the weekend, you know, headlined by Dufty absolutely going bananas and almost securing himself a Broncos
1: contract for 2022, you know, what's your read on this game? I mean, the Broncos beat the Bulldogs, so I think the Dragons probably could do it again. Do you think that that's how it works, mate? That's how it works, isn't
0: it? I mean, let's be clear. I'm not denying that they're going to win. I'm just, I'm just arguing your methodology. Uh, yeah, look, um, you know, I don't want to go too uh, much down bitter lane on how the Bronco, how the Bulldogs are performing this year you know, suffice to say it's been pretty disappointing. But, you know, we talked about how vital it is for, you know, getting of the Fords to get good service out of dummy half. Jeremy Marshall King plays for the first time in a long time in the side and, and you know, it seems to be close enough to full strength um, for the time being for the Bulldogs Ford. So, you know, if they're going to get on top, it'll be through there. But, gee, there's just not much Coach relevance on on that uh, side of the aisle. Dufty, um, you know, uh, very few people bought him in, but they were certainly vocal as he as he went close to 160 and and was an obvious loop option last week. Um, do you see him being a, in a in a week where a lot of the big names you know
1: might not back up as being a, a captaincy option, mate? I don't think I could ever captain Dufty. <laughs> just no, the t- the floor is too low, and yeah, I just couldn't do it. Counterpoint: He's playing the Bulldogs. That's that's true. That's true. <laughs> But as you said, um, it's as close as full strength to the Bulldogs might get for a while. Uh, So I guess yes, okay. But surely you'd probably lean towards Gutho first (laughs) if if you're going to pick someone out of those two to captain. Very true, very true. Aside from that, I mean, you're probably getting dragons out of your team, right? No one's keeping them out of choice. (laughs) No, no. It was very much out of necessity, I'm pretty sure, mate. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you want to look at Bulldogs for round 17 coverage since they do play that round outside of Luke Thompson, who I know we kind of held off a little bit for those who didn't own him already because Josh Jackson was back, but it seemed like Thompson still got his minutes. So good news for those owners and prospective buyers there as well. Aaron Shoup, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he is playing his third game, I believe, and still got a negative break even there. Uh, Not not a fantastic buy, but again, if you need someone whose bottom dollar is there, but I don't know much about the Corey Allen situation, whether he's back due anytime soon, but yeah, a little bit concerning for job security long-term, but Tui Katoa's in the extended bench there. He's a winger and I can't see Meany or Kotric uh, moving into the centers to kick out Shroop if Katoa was to come in. So I think if you need someone desperately, then he's not a bad option and... Otherwise, you might get lucky and he shows up in round 17 too.
0: Yeah, possibly. I think Corey Allen was a chance, an outside chance for this week. But um, yeah, with that shoulder, the, they're obviously just being a bit cautious with it. So he might be back as soon as next week. So I would be a little bit concerned, um, you know, if you're desperate enough to bring Shoop in, you know, he might be out of the side sooner rather than later. But um, look, uh, you know, that's the team news for the week, Wilf. Let's chat about our predictions and our Swish SC Star of the Week.
1: If you are what you say you are yeah, yeah, yeah. a superstar we'll then have no fear the here All right all right so obviously shortened round so less players but someone still picked the top scoring player which was Matt Dufty for the round who's got 156 so we have Lance at Lance numbers who predicted in 150 so pretty close not a bad shout at all and uh, I think wasn't it Bear that kind of tried to give you a nudge towards Dufty?
0: I believe he did, and he's not been shy and reminding me of it uh, all the way through the weekend, mate. But, hey, you know, I went Ben Hunt, 143. He scored 88. I think that wins me the week, doesn't it?
1: Well, I don't know. My my prediction of 146 worked, didn't it, for Nico Hines?
0: Well, he we got 73.
1: Oh, wait, that's my captain. <laughs> that, that, close enough, right?
0: Close enough. But Lance773 uh, absolutely, uh, you know, knocked it out of the park with the Dufty school. Uh, what does he get, mate?
1: Yeah, so he'll he'll get that uh, $20 discount code to use on com. So definitely check that out. Lance, slide into our DMs. Uh, we'll hook you up with the code and, yeah, make sure you go shopping to land one of those cool videos. But, look, that's you taking out another week because I think Bear went Hughes, who scored 63, like I said, I went Nico Hines, who only scored 73. And you had Ben Hunt, who took out the highest score of this week out of us three uh, at 88. So Bears on seven, you're on five. So catching him quickly. And good on me, trailing last in Supercoach, in Swish, predictions, and everything else pretty much this year.
0: But that gives you the privilege of choosing first this week, mate. So make the best of it, please.
1: How do you pick this week, though? Honestly, I think. Given all the outs and the question marks and everything like that, that's that's a really tough one. Look, I'm going to pick let's go Angus Crutton 123.
0: All right, that's a pretty good pick, mate. Someone that's guaranteed to uh to be in the side the Titans have been pretty disappointing as well. Look, for me, it's it's a pretty obvious one. I think the knights are an absolute rabble at the moment, and you can just tell that um, you know, not too much has to go against them in a game for their heads to start to drop. And I think that will happen this week. So I'm going Cody Walker, 147.
1: Look, I think that's a great shout and probably one I should have thought about more closely. <laughs> stuff for Origins. So this just shows why I'm struggling. Uh, no doubt Bear will let us know who he picks um, when we can ask him later. And we'll, if anyone wants to know, you can tweet at us and we'll send it out later. But we want to thank Swish for sponsoring the segment. Um, they are changing the way fans interact with their sports stars, um, hundreds of NRL uh, players available, just jump on hayswish.com and you can just search through the site, pick your players, send the instructions through for the video and Swish takes care of the rest. And a reminder that at least 20% of proceeds go to children's charities and often more as the players will often send their share of uh, the fees to charity as well. So it's just great work that they're all doing. Thank you again to at Swish, S-W-Y-S-H and their website at hayswish .com.
0: So that's our Swish Supercoach star predictions for this week. Now to start looking at some pressing issues for this round.
1: So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them.
0: So I've made reference to some of the round 13 trash that I've had in my side. And, and we were talking earlier, and I'm keen to you know, go a little bit in depth on how we prioritize moving uh, these guys out, obviously, not a powerful lot of use in the side. They're either not making money or, or potentially losing money. Um, so where, you know, should we start to direct our, our trade-outs uh, in terms of guys that have just, we held on for the buy. We need to get them out. Um, there's so many of them, mate. You know, who do you want to kick
1: off with? I think before we even start looking at players, for me it comes down to number of trades you have left because as much as we want to punt everyone, like barnett has been disappointing Watson just gets keeps getting stuffed around, you know. Laurie has been mediocre for plenty of weeks, and and you know some people even thinking about selling Nofaluma. Guys like that who just have disappointed. I just think you need to look at how many trades you got left, and kind of work backwards from that. Because if you wanted to trade to everyone who was disappointing around thirteen, I just think you'll burn like majority of your trades that you got left, and you won't have enough for the round seventeen, and also to do your final team. So. For me, I've got 16 trades left, so I haven't saved as many as I wanted to. I'm probably burning another two this week, but I think I'm committed to holding O'Connell Watson for the season. I think I'm going to do that because I just can't see you know anyone I'm getting to replace him to be a significant upgrade straight away. Uh, his dual position is handy, obviously moving uh five eights and hookers around all myself for trade-outs, so... At this stage, uh, I think you know he's well down the pecking order, so I'm focusing on getting the guys who I definitely don't want in my team.
0: So far down the pecking order. He's been my starting five eighth all year. <laughs> There's like eight guys I need to move on before Watson for sure.
1: Well, I'm talking about super coaches who have better teams than us, obviously. <laughs> also fair.
0: Also fair. Have I mentioned that we also support the Bulldogs and the Broncos? Things aren't working out for
1: us, mate. Uh, it's been a rough two years, that's for sure. Well, years for me, maybe a bit longer for yourself. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for that. But, you know, for me, I'd be working backwards. Like the guys like Spencer Lenio, Stefano, they're probably priority trade-outs. Charlie Staines, who's got a manageable break-even, but he's got to go. He's not a season-long hold for sure. So those are probably the three I'd start off with for sure in my team that I'm definitely keen to get out. Any others that uh, you would be highlighting from your team?
0: No, look, I think it's the ones that are going to lose cash are obviously the most important ones. And, you know, I've got, you know, after those, I've got the likes of a a Jake Simpkin in my side who's clearly, you know, out of favour unlikely to get in considering how well Little's playing. So, you know, he's not doing any damage um, sitting there, just 267K, so he's not even reaping that much reward for me with a trade-out. So, you know, I'd suggest that there's probably a little bit of juice left in Udo Kamano, but Len Yu's just about ready to go Look, Barnett's been an every week play uh, for myself and for other owners, but you know that it is starting to get a serious concern that he's just not going to get that spot, you know, those minutes that he deserves at Newcastle. They seem to be wedded to him playing low minutes as a lock, so that just means he's not a keeper anymore. So while he is scoring kind of mid forties to mid fifties, he's also hemorrhaging that, all that cash that he earned uh, for us earlier in the year. So he might be a priority move out. And probably the likes of Tyson Gamble as well. He, he's out with a shoulder this week, but I think he's uh, just not someone that, you know, is playable at any time, even in an injury hit week. So I'd just look to downgrade to, to an absolute base price enough. Um, but maybe he's the kind of guy that you wait until a mega trade round uh, so you can utilize that money a little bit better.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think your points are spot on, but kind of need him in my 17 this week. <laughs>
0: Is that gamble or Barnett? Barnett, yeah. Oh no, Barnett's so in my seventeen. <laughs> he's, he's he's like single figures into my seventeen this week. Uh, yeah, much less on the chopping block, but but it is a concern, obviously, that you know he's already lost a lot of cash. Hard to see him hitting his break even at sixty seven again this week unless he jags a try. So it's just something to keep an eye on, just how you know he does have a lot of money still to lose.
1: Yeah, look, I, I do I do agree on that one, and it's frustrating because. You know, even if he got closer to say fifty-five minutes or whatever, he could viably just be a hold for the season because I think with fifty-five minutes in the middle at his work rate, he should be all right. But it's just the unpredictability of him not getting that many minutes, uh, which is the frustrating part.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think owners really just lost faith. You know, we've all been waiting for O'Brien to come to his senses and, and play him either on, in Fitzgibbon spots on, on the left for 80 minutes or, or just given him the bulk of the minutes uh, at lock. But, you know, I think given all the outs they had on the weekend and he still didn't, um, you know, play those bigger minutes we expect, and frankly he deserves, I think everyone's just kind of given up on him this week.
1: It's just hard because he did play 55 the week before and he scored 65 with only like, I think he had a goal kick in there. And he only played 54 this week. So it's pretty much the same minutes, but the work rate was down probably because unfortunately when he was on the field, the Eels were scoring points. So that's that's a bit of a kicker. But if he can still get around that 55 minute mark, I don't think it's the end of the world if you're stuck with him at the end of a season. So to me, you know, like you're talking about players going to lose cash like Brian Kelly with the 95 break-even, he's definitely high up on the list of trade-outs for me. And I think starting like that and just counting how many of these guys at this stage, if I get stuck with Barnett, I'll get stuck with Barnett. It's not the worst guy to be to be stuck with for the end of the season. That's just what I'm thinking at this stage.
0: The shine seems to have come off and, look, by no means am I suggesting that Isaiah Papali is round 13 trash, but you know he's been off the boil for a few weeks now. Um, lost another 40k on the weekend again and has 140 break even is is he a guy that you know you do look you know let's say you didn't uh, have Angus Crichton you know do you look at that being a viable option properly to a Crichton this week
1: I just think the biggest issue with that is because papali has got that dual position he's available in the front row and if you were stacked in the front row and there's no other options that you'd want then sure but I just can't see anyone saying Papali is not one of your top two front row forwards at the moment. Even with the 62 and the 48 in the last few rounds, like it wasn't that long ago he got 98. Uh, so to me, I just think you know the dual position is handy as well. I wouldn't. I'd be finding a different way to get in Angus.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone has a stacked front row this year. You know, quite frankly, um, as it is, Isaiah Papali is 13 points clear of Luke Thompson in terms of average and uh, 14 points clear of TPJ uh, in the front row. So, you know, almost Nathan Cleary-like in terms of the gap
1: between him and the next uh, the next best people at his position. Yeah, and, like, you know, it's not just purely the attacking stats. So even the last three weeks, you're looking at 52, 77 and 57 in base and base attack stats uh, before, obviously, last week uh, only 52, and he had a couple of errors and penalties, so that definitely knocked it down a bit. But those are still very solid numbers, and I'm pretty comfortable just holding him for the season, honestly.
0: Fair enough. So who are we moving on to then, mate? You obviously mentioned Crichton, but you got to think he plays Origin 2 and 3. Um, you know, Bear's been pretty vocal in saying that he's punting round 17 and, and the only people he's bringing in are, are kind of keepers from here on in, are there round 17 options you think that can be both serviceable in that round and in a final team as well?
1: Yeah, I wonder if Bear, because that was what he said last week, but that was before he scored sub 600 this week because he punted round 13 of it too. So... I wonder if that will make him rethink a little bit about how many he aims to get for round 17. His ability
0: to lord his uh, overall ranking over the two of us has been severely compromised, and now I'm giving him a spanking. So, yeah, he might actually change his philosophy perhaps.
1: (laughs) That's it. The most obvious name is Tohu Harris. I think he's the guy, plenty got him in already, and he's the one I think you would pretty safely say would be one of the best and most safe options for round 17. I think uh, Jason Malolo, whilst you're right, he has been a little bit concerning, disappointing, but the minutes are still there for him. And that was the biggest concern earlier in the season before he got injured. He was only getting 50 minutes or so. But last couple of rounds, like 70, 60, 60 or plus. So I'm pretty comfortable with the minutes. It's just hopefully you see the scoring improve a little bit. The problem is the back line, right?
0: Yeah, and Cody Walker, obviously, in the halves is a, is a popular choice. But yeah, those outside backs... It was really round 13 for the non-origin outside backs that are good super coach players as well, wasn't it?
1: Well, you kind of look at the teams that play that round 17 by, and aside from the Roosters, how many of those teams can you actually trust to be able to put up points? I mean, the Rabbitohs, sure, but they're going to be missing a lot of their main playmakers if, aside from Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds, like Cookie and, and Latrell will be gone and they might be missing obviously Gagai as well. And, some of the key forwards who provide a lot of go-forward for them. Uh, I know that playing the Cowboys who may be really only losing potentially Kyle Felt and Val Holmes uh, if even that. Like, Felt might be available depending on the team for Origin 3. But, yeah, look, I just think, you know, outside of the Roosters and the Rabbitohs, who else are you really targeting? Like, even the Seagulls, you wouldn't really back them if they don't have Tommy Turbo, right? Yeah,
0: no. I mean, look at, look at the difference with Saab and Garrick you know, uh, when Turbo plays and when he doesn't. And not only the injury risk with Turbo, but obviously he's not playing around 17, so they're not getting you the points you need then. Certainly not value-wise either.
1: I do see Garrick as a, quite an interesting option. Obviously, he is uh, expensive right now because he's been on going on such a great run off the back of Tommy Turbo going nuts. But, you know, with if Tommy doesn't play, Cowboys, Titans, Bulldogs, and then the Raiders around 17, so... If Tommy does play 15-16, he could go nuts. Garrick could go nuts. But then you just cop a lower score probably from him in round 17 and hopefully uh, Tommy stays fit for the rest of the season. But you look at the late season draw, aside from obviously the Storm and the the Eels, every other game is quite winnable for Manly. So I think Garrick could be an intriguing option. It's just the price tag that's so scary right now.
0: Yeah, 652K is... A bit rich for my blood. 50k more than than Angus Crichton. It's more than Tohu Harris. It's it's you know almost as much as James Tedesco at this point. So yeah, d- without the um that kind of guarantee of, of uh, of the kind of points that those guys can put out as well. So yeah, definite no for me. But I do know plenty that that kind of got on you know, within a week or two of him starting to really ascend uh, with Turbo in the side. So they're obviously, you know, having
1: ha- have him as a hold, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. If you've got him, you're definitely holding him. If until such time as Turbo may go down with the season-ending injury is probably when you're cashing out Gary. Yeah. But I think the focus is really just on the Rabbitohs and the Roosters at this stage. I think they're the most trustworthy teams that do play that round 17 by. So, like we talked about Joseph Suali – He's pretty much, barring injury, guaranteed a spot round seventeen, if not sooner. The reason I suggested Tane Milne is because I assume if you know Dane Gagai's out at Origin, as well as Latrell, and depending on what happens with Cody, but between you know two or three backline players being out, even if Milne does say lose his spot to Josh Mansell or whatever, I just can't see how he's not back in the team for round seventeen. So he'll cover that, and he's a bit of a cash out option now. And the only question mark I have is, like, would you think about Reese Walsh next week? Oh, look, you know,
0: he he has been brilliant. I'll say that. he's, he, But it's the kind of brilliance, almost like Sam Walker has been as well, where people don't have a proper read on his game. He's a bit unconventional and he gambles. We saw after, I think it might have been three or four weeks, people figured out that with Sam Walker that they need to look for that Harbour Bridge pass and... That shut down kind of is almost his first and second, you know, go to options, and and he hasn't been quite the super coach for since. Um, Reese Walsh has got that uh, big pass in him, um, but also just being able to pick uh, the kind of things that young players like to do. They they're not experienced enough to have that many tools in their toolbox, so they can kind of be figured out. So I guess the fear for me was that uh, you know Reese Walsh being able to sustain it. It appears that. You know, RTS has seeded has fullback to him, you know, for the time being, or at least the primary playmaker role in the team. So I don't think it'll be the lack of ball that does him in. It's just whether he kind of hits a wall creatively once the more experienced opponents kind of have a bit of tape on him and, and manage to work him out a bit. So I do worry from that perspective.
1: Yeah, look, I think that's fair. And the Warriors, they are one of the more inconsistent teams historically. I feel like they've been a bit better this year, but it's still hard to trust the Warriors. I think just years of being burnt by Warriors players. But round 15, Knights, Dragons, Sharks, round 17, it's not a bad draw for Walsh. And I know it's one of those coveted fullback positions, but, you know, if Teddy and Turbo aren't playing that many games, like it's not, I don't think it's the worst punt, honestly. Oh, I mean,
0: talk to the Dufty owners about, you know, whether that's paid off for them, um, taking a gamble at the fullback slot. I mean... You know, it's just as viable as any other strategy this year, it seems.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if you think about the players who've got the ceiling in round 17 to be able to turn up and go big, outside of Cody Walker and, you know, maybe one or two others, Reese Walsh playing fullback for the Warriors is probably, uh, yeah, not a bad shout at all. The only other name I probably want to throw in here at this stage, and we'll probably do a more detailed dissection of the round 17 options, but Sean Johnson, keep an eye on him. I know some people are keen already, but playing against the Panthers, even if it is the Panthers B team, uh, I, I'd still want to tr- see a bit more about Sean Johnson making it through hopefully two or three games in a row before I jump on. But yeah, leading up to that bye, you, he's got the Cowboys done, the Broncos and the Warriors and the Warriors is round 17. So revenge match definitely uh, on the cards for SJ that week.
0: Yeah, and look, he's clearly with that Achilles injury and and his age, he's he's lost that burst that made him a special special athlete. But you know, he's still got it between the ears, and he's as crafty as he ever was. So yeah, probably doesn't have the ceiling of in years past. But you know, given how barren round seventeen is, he's he's probably shaping up as being a pretty good option, like you say.
1: Yeah, definitely on the watch list for me. Aside from that, we'll finish up maybe just by throwing Luke Thompson's name in again. We mentioned it earlier, but yeah, certainly one of the classic buy round options where you get him in and you just hold him for the rest of the season. The new James Graham, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he does seem to have a little bit more of an attacking stat in him uh, than, than James Graham, but... You know that kind of A minus B plus uh, option there, and and given that front row is such a wasteland again, we ran through those averages, uh, you know, a few minutes ago with Papa Lee Streets ahead and and uh, you know Thompson and Pango Junior being second and third. I mean, you wanted to, he's literally the second best front row option this year. So you know, when you talk about your final team for the run home, you certainly can't poo poo him being an option.
1: Yeah, and the only hesitation I had was that even with Josh Jackson back, his minutes are good, but he was definitely getting more minutes while Jackson was out. So I wouldn't quite expect the same average that he's been hitting so far. But, you know, I wouldn't totally write it off either because he has found the line a little bit, as you've said.
0: And let's face it, Hetherington's not sticking around for long, you know, at any given time, whether it's, you know, in the middle of a game or or with the judiciary. So, um, you know, I wouldn't bank on those minutes staying away for uh, for too long for Luke Thompson. So, Wolf, um, lots to talk about in terms of, you know, Super Trade Week coming up and, and the strategies around that, but I think we've gone pretty deep on on the different options um, for the next couple of weeks and the draws. Um, is there anything you think uh, that we need to know about in terms of players that might not back up from origin and, and kind of things to keep in, in mind when setting the lineup and, and, and considering when to make your trades this week?
1: Yeah, look, we bang on about it every week, but you've got to make sure your team's set up by putting all the players who play early in the round in your starting lineup. Uh, so, for example, you know, for this week, as weird as, as it might sound, but if you need to roll out Charlie Stans as one of your starting center wing and maybe you've got David Nofaluma who ends up being your fifth center wing, you put him on the reserves because he's playing late in the round. Staines plays early. You need to do it in case for whatever reason uh, someone else is all laid out and, you know, you need Nofaluma and then someone else to be one of your reserves. So uh, it's, it's just more critical on around round where there's so much uncertainty, not just in the normal team list, but the fact that the team list that was named on the Tuesday has a, a huge chance of being shaken up because of what happens on Wednesday night, obviously. And then after that, how the players actually recover um, to play the weekend. So Critical as always, but even more so this week. And to, to go on to that, it's more about planning your trades around your potential ins and outs because I know a lot of people who are, will be floating around that 16, 17, 18 player mark because you've got injuries already, you've got suspensions, you've got nuffs in there. If you've got too many of those, then you will be short if you don't have the right players backing up. So I would probably be planning two or three different sets of trades that you might do depending on who ends up backing up, you know, obviously you're going to follow the late mail for Thursday uh, with Wackers whispers as always. And, you know, you're going to follow his account on Twitter as he always drops the the news as he finds it out. But, you know, it will undoubtedly change your trade plans. If, for example, you've got Teddy and Turbo, you're counting on one of them backing up. If none of them back up, then are you trading one of them out? Like, I think that's something you've got to consider. And it's tough because they both play in the first three games of the round. So these are all the things you're going to have to sit down and work out as part of your trade plans and just be prepared to obviously uh, lose some players that you currently have green lights on in Supercoach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just time after time, you know, people get stung. And like you said, it's been bad enough this year, whether it's, you know, your, your mid-weekend, uh, you know, injury notifications like a Bradman Best or, you know, that got me or, or Kenny Bromwich got a lot of us as well, um, you know, when he was a, a kind of a laid out after people had made their trades uh, and, the you know, the lockout had already happens so yeah it's 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 really super coach 101 but you know it's also one of those things that even the best of us um you know stuff up a couple of times a year and and we just have to hope it doesn't burn us but yeah if, if you do that prep um you can be guaranteed to have the most flexibility through the week so speaking of that flexibility with trades mate what's jumping out of you i know you mentioned brian kelly was was very much on the chopping block for you
1: Yep, so he's definitely out. And good thing for me is obviously I can go Kelly to CHN pretty easily. So I'm pretty much locking that trade in. And the other trade for me is just going to be dependent and I'll be watching very closely to the news on Payne Haas or not. So right now my front row forward, Payne Haas, Stefano and Leniu. So one of Stefano or Leniu will definitely be traded out and it's just a matter of who I get in from. That's all. Yeah, it is interesting. Leniu for me is definitely on the chopping block.
0: Um, I just... He's just not getting the minutes, frankly. He had a tremendous work rate and, and PPM earlier in the year, but um, you know, 30s just aren't going to do it midway through the season. So he's definitely uh, on the chopping block. And I know I mentioned Simpkin as, as a kind of guy that's not going to hurt you. You can hold him moving on. But um, you know, if I do want to look at getting Cody Walker in, it's an easy move to get Watson up there. And I just need to find another ca- bit of cash with a downgrade. Um, so Simpkin might be on the chopping block there. But... You know, we were saying before recording that usually I've got, you know, two or three trade options that I'm pretty confident in by the time you start recording, and it's just a matter of picking the best option out of that. There's seven or eight, and I've got absolutely no idea which way I'll go this week. It's just going to be so dependent on, you know, how tomorrow night ends up, uh, what happens, and then, you know, definitely keeping uh, your ear to the ground with Wacko's Whispers uh, throughout the weekend.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I might be in a situation where as much as I want to hold Connor Watson, if I don't, like, for whatever reason, if Watson's out or whatever, I've got Watson and Schuster at 5.8 at the moment, so I might end up having no choice but to go Watson to Cody Walker with my other trade just so I've got a 5.8 to play. So, yeah, it's definitely much, very much a, a round where you're just kind of exploring the options, that's for sure. Indeed. So,
0: Wolf, I think we've covered this all in detail. Uh, you're right to give us a group comp update.
1: Yeah, so courtesy of supercoachchampion.com, the update is so formally number one from last week, it's dropped down to number two, so Robert, coach of Centurion, still leading the group, and yeah, look, still in a really good position, and our champ, Reese, who is the coach of Throne's Legion, up to six, and Justin, coach of the Drop Kicks, in eighth, so those are the top three spots there, fourth is actually MJ, coach of the Forty Twenty, so our other champ right up the top, which we shouted out earlier in the comp, but Yeah, promo code champ for 10% off and free shipping of all the stuff at supercoachchampion.com. And as always, we've got that fancy ring up for grabs for the winner and also $200 voucher for the team merchandise store of your choice. So right now, Robert would be the one getting that uh, on top of, well, if he stays in second, on top of the uh, 5000 and he'll get for finishing runner-up.
0: I'd rather the ring. (laughs)
1: he could buy buy a couple of those rings if he does win the 5k you gotta remember that very
0: fair very fair
1: uh but yeah to finish up shout out to the champs as always uh we really do appreciate your support lots of good outcomes for them uh with all the buy planning that went on but uh yeah it's good fun in the discord so if you're not sure what that is check it out patreon.com slash champions and you'll be able to find out more about what's going on there as always you know we do appreciate everyone who listens please leave a review if you like what you hear. And obviously uh, we'd love feedback, especially, you know, things that we can improve, and do better on. So uh, definitely keep dropping that for sure. Just to finish up, definitely going to have a bigger late mail edition this week. So I'm going to be able to get uh catch up with NRL physio. Like I mentioned, as always, we'll have Wackers whispers, and I'll try to tackle as many of those questions as I can for you guys as well. But Uh, keep an ear out for that Uh, it'll still drop on thursday but since there's no thursday night game it might be a little bit later so that we can try to cover as much as possible um so that you can listen on the friday but yeah thanks as always for listening we will be here with you again later this week and yeah we'll catch you again soon good luck this week champs